and welcome to the Overthinking Christian Podcast. It's me again, the Overthinking Christian. And today we're going to talk about something that I haven't thought about in a very long time. This subject is one that, uh, that, that came to me recently through YouTube. I was scrolling through YouTube. I'm subscribed to some science science channels on YouTube, and I came across some videos, quote-unquote, debunking young creationism. And this debate, really, between creationism and, and evolution, really just it kind of pisses me off for, for a couple of reasons. You know, as I've gotten older, I have become less offended or or less angry with someone's position and more angry with the intent behind their position, the, the reason that they have this position, or the, the ability of themselves to be able to create a good argument about their position. I love, I love talking to people. I love debating. I love having debates. And I, I, love learning. I, I love learning why people think the way that they do. And I, and I think that when you if you really want to change someone's mind about something, you have to understand not just their argument, but why they believe what they believe. And this is something that people don't know how to take in our society. If if you, it's happened to me where I've lost friends because I have pointed out the fact that the reason behind their animosity, the reason behind their their passion about this subject, or the, 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 the motivation behind it is wrong, in my opinion. Where I see prideful, arrogant people who cannot believe that there's, there, there's another viewpoint on this subject. This is, more, this is none more emblematic than uh, Trump. People who support Trump, people who don't. I mean, it's either you love or hate the guy. There is no in-between. There is no nuance. There, uh, there is no love between people. And I have lost friends because I pointed out how sickening I think it is when people post things on social media or they say things like, I would never be friends with a Trump supporter or I, you know, I hate Trump supporters. Get off my page if you're a Trump supporter. And this does not help anybody. This is just divisive, I'm going to say it, bullshit that is only meant to divide people and only meant to bring about division. And I absolutely abhor it. I think it is sickening to see people do this. And this is the same thing that happens within this debate. You have young creationists, so prideful, so arrogant, who don't understand evolution, who don't understand the actual, the, the actual, what evolution says, who basically manipulate people what they do is is a lot of them they take a, a a very complex scientific theory like evolution and they break it down to its to to a simple form that they themselves understand because they don't understand evolution as a whole so they take it and they put it into a simple form they can understand and they put it into a more simple form that people can understand that that ignorant people and ignorant means not to know. Ignorant people 
who will look at this and say, well, yeah, that, that's so stupid. What he is saying, that's not plausible. That's, that's just dumb. And if you look at evolution through that lens, yeah, you're going to see it as a dumb theory. One of the, one of the best ways I see this is when, when, when young creationists uh, say that, well, we, how could we have come from a rock? That's just dumb. Well, when you think about it like that, but I mean, when you think about, when you, how should I put this? When you, when you, when, when you then stop and think about how microevolution works, as in the different kinds of species, you know, you have different types of dogs, you have different types of um, cats, you have different types of animals, right? When you begin to think about that, you see the, the, the branches of the tree, right? And we go back and we say, you know, it's a microorganism and then it evolved this way to the left. And then this one evolved this way to the right. And then it creates a whole different ecosystem together through evolution that creates the, uh, the world that we see today. It's not... It's not just that we came from a rock. That is a very, very, very simplistic view of evolution that doesn't take into account the, first of all, the realities of what we see in the world. We see microevolution. What's to say there's a macroevolution, right? If, if things can become different types of animals, why couldn't God have used evolution too? Especially if you're a Christian. Right, But here's what happens when you begin to talk about this. Anytime you begin to talk about this, we see a false dichotomy rise up between these two things. Basically, what I've seen in our society is that either you are an evolutionist and you are an atheist, or you are a creationist and you are a Christian, or you're, or you're religious. Now... In order to be a creationist, you probably need to be a theist. I mean, I mean, the, the entire concept relies on the literal interpretation of the Bible, and um, a, a a a literal understanding of any sort of religious text. And so, creationism relies upon that, and evolution does not. So, yes, in order to be an, a creationist, you must therefore be religious, or at the very least, a theist. That only makes sense. Okay? But evolution is not the same thing. You know, when evolution first came out, when it was first discovered, or when it was first uh, theorized by Darwin, Christians didn't have a problem with it. It was just a, a biological, scientific thing that, that Darwin discovered, and they said, oh, wow, that's more knowledge, that's more that is more um, understanding of how a god would create the universe that we are contained in. There was no animosity between each other. It was, yes, this is a biological thing. This is, uh, science has, has, this is a theory about how we came into being. That's cool. That's awesome. That means that we have more of an understanding of how God did this. Wow, that's cool. Christians did not have a problem with this until, uh, until, you know, Young creationists came about and began to take a literal interpretation of scripture and began to 
push back against this narrative. Not only that, Darwin wasn't even the one who came up with the concept of survival of the fittest, but we think that he did. There's a lot of misconceptions. Here's my point. And I'm going to illustrate this because I grew up in a household. I've talked about this mostly with my grandparents, mostly with my grandmother who led me to Christ, who, um, who, who sort of brainwashed me in a lot of ways, um, but who led me to Christ. i got to give that credit because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her. But she was, she was, and is, uh, a sort of fundamentalist Christian. She sort of, she, she kind of takes the Bible literally. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't, there's no room for nuance. It's all black and white. The Bible says this, so it must be so, without taking into account historical uh, cultural context, everything she hears from a pastor is 100% true. She doesn't research or, or do her own biblical studies. She just takes whatever the pastor says and believes it instantaneously. That's why I'm blessed to go to a church where I hear the word of God and they say, hey, go home and read this for yourself. Test it to be true. See if it's true. Because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take the Bible's word for it. And so I grew up in this sort of fundamentalist uh, environment. And I remember being given these DVDs about young creationism where I, I don't even know remember what his name was, but he was a young creationist who did these lectures. And he had these DVDs, and, and I had them, and I, I watched all of them. And I thought it was fascinating, right? And, you know, it was around the time that we started learning about evolution and, and in school. And I, I fell into this brainwash trap where, you know, I, I, uh, I thought I'm a Christian. I believe creationism. You who believe uh, evolution, you must be, a, you must be an atheist. But that's just not the case, right? That's just not that's just not the, the case. Not all people who believe evolution are atheists. I mean, it's just a biological theory about how we came into being, and that's fine. You can be a Christian or you can not be. It doesn't say anything about who started this thing. It doesn't say anything about how this thing happened. I mean, you have the Big Bang Theory, right? Um, which is not arbitrary. People look at this, they go, well, well, you came from a dot and it came from nothing. Well, why not? What You talk about how great your God is and then you want to go and when they say, we came from nothing. Well, matter can't, you know. What, what's what? What do uh, Christians usually say about this? They say, well, you know, nothing can't come, or something can't come from nothing. The basic principle of science. It's true, but if we're talking about the beginning of the universe. Okay, why can't God create something out of nothing? Why not? Something I've never understood about Christians is. Why can't God create something from nothing? He's God. And by the way, how do you know that God is even a matter in the first place? You know, I was talking to my good friend the other day. And one of the things he said, which I thought was so cool, that, that, that trying to understand God is like a first, a one-dimensional being 
trying to understand a fifth dimensional being. So why couldn't this fifth dimensional being, who by the way might not even be matter in the first place, so we had to come from nothing in the first place. Why couldn't that being start this whole thing from nothing? Why not is my question. He's God. He can do anything. So, <clears throat> back to my story. I watched all these DVDs and I fell into this trap of believing this sort of brainwashed idea that you cannot be a Christian and, and an evolutionist and, and if you are an evolutionist, you're an atheist. And this creates a false dichotomy that is dangerous. Luckily, I got out of it because I went to college and I learned. And I learned about what was important about my faith and I learned what the the foundational tenets of my faith were. I learned about that nuance of other people's opinions and what other people thought and the varying degrees of interpretations of the literature of the Bible. And I realized that there's a lot more to this Christianity thing than I thought. It's not just a one belief system, but it is a belief based upon Yahweh. It's a belief system based upon the cross. It's based upon Jesus Christ giving his life, dying, resurrecting, being sent back to heaven with the Father, and about the triune God. That is the tenets of our faith. Everything else is secondary. And so many people don't get that. They get wrapped up in the evolution debates and the creation debates, and they lose their minds with this stuff. They don't understand how you can be a Christian and an evolutionist. And, and they think that everybody who is, an, that you have to be a creationist, if, if a young creationist, if you're a Christian. This is ludicrous. And I have grown so much in my thinking that this is why this pisses me off. It's not because, it's not because uh, it's just, to me, young creationists is just bad science. It's not just because I think it's wrong. But it's because it creates dangerous brainwashing for people. I was watching a video about... Uh, a person on YouTube's deconversion story from Christianity to atheism. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Point this out real quick. And I might do an entire episode about this. But, um, you know, my belief about once saved, always saved, if you don't know what that is, and then Christianity, there's a doctrine that says on one side, you have the people who say, that once you meet God, you can leave. You can choose to walk away from God. And there's the other side that says, once you're saved, you are saved. And at first, to me, the second one, the latter one, seems seems dumb. It seems ignorant. It seems it seems counter. It doesn't seem to line up with my idea of free will. But as I experience this reality, and as I begin to experience Yahweh, His presence in my life, I begin to see that grace that is so powerful that I can't leave. And then I begin to think, these people who leave the faith, are they really Christians? Were they really Christians? Did they really experience Yahweh? Because if they did, I don't see how they could leave. I don't understand that. 
And I have made the philosophical arguments and the theological arguments for why I think once saved, always saved is wrong. But when I experience Yahweh, when I experience His presence in my life, I can't come to that conclusion based upon the reality that I've seen. I can't. I, will, I cannot understand how somebody who has experienced the radical love and grace of Yahweh, His presence, His undeniable presence in your life, could ever leave that place. I don't genuinely understand this at all. It is something that 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 does not make sense experientially. Because I used to think, yeah, if you want to, you can leave Yahweh. And you know what? That kind of makes sense from a objective sort of philosophical view of what free will is and and who Yahweh is and and our our sort of objective philosophical way of viewing this topic but when you begin to step that aside and you, you begin to experience Yahweh and you begin to go into dimensions with Yahweh that are unprecedented that you've never experienced before you begin to realize that grace is pretty powerful that that the Calvinists would call uh, would call the 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 uh, what's um, we would call the, anyways, I forget what the word is, but it's a very powerful grace that, that you can't back away from, you can't get away from. And that's what Calvinists believe. They believe in a grace that is that you cannot escape from. And the other side, the Arminians, believe that it is a grace that you can leave. And I don't know, if you don't know, uh, Calvinists believe basically in a God who knows everything, who predestines, who um, has a plan. Arminianists don't believe that. They, on the extreme side, you have people who believe that, you know, this whole uh, God having a plan is bullcrap and it's just not true. And it's, uh, it, it's, that God has no plan, that, you know, he... He doesn't have a plan for you. It's not. There's no predestination. Calvinists believe the opposite. And there's a spectrum for each person to where they land. And there's tenets of this if you want to look them up. I'm with them now. But the main one I want to talk about was this. That I don't see how somebody can experience Yahweh in a real, tangible way. In an experience that blows your mind that you can't even imagine you can't even wrap your head around when you look up at this five-dimensional being as a one-dimensional dot and you just you, you can't even fathom how it's possible to experience this being in this way and when you've experienced Yahweh like that I don't know how you can escape that I don't know how you can leave that and so right now I'm in this weird place where I'm trying to I'm trying to reconcile these two things and figure out where I line up because I don't know. My mind wants to say, of course you can leave. It's free you will. But, but, but my experiences on this planet tell me that there's no way I could leave Yahweh. So I don't know how anyone who has actually experienced Yahweh and who is a, who is a real Christian could ever leave Yahweh. I don't see it. There's another tangent I just went on, but I was watching this dude on YouTube, 
and he was talking about his deconversion a little bit. And what struck me as as the most as as egregious about this was that he grew up much like me. He grew up with the DVDs about young creationists, and he went to college, and he began to deconstruct. And when he deconstructed, what struck to me, what 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 what, what really got me, was the fact that this dude. First of all, he claimed to be a Christian, right, all this time. And now, he is saying he's not. And why is he saying that? It starts with him realizing that young creationists might not, creationism might not be true. And that's not the end of his deconversion story. After he discovered that young creationists wasn't true, it shook his faith, but he says that he was still a Christian and he still believed but then he took other classes about statistics, and he took other classes, and, and all this information turned him into, at the very least, agnostic or an atheist. And this drives me crazy, because if he would have been taught a, a nuanced look at the biblical principles, if he would have been taught a more, a, a free, if he would have, let me put this a uh, good way, if he would have been raised up in a free-thinking environment where he was able to discover his faith and what he believed in a tangible way, we wouldn't have people going to college becoming atheists. We wouldn't have it. Now, do I think that he was saved? I don't, that he was actually saved? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know if he experienced Yahweh the way that I have. Because if you experienced Yahweh the way that I have, I don't know how you can turn from Yahweh. I don't see that being a possibility. But again, I'm still conflicted about these two. So I don't know. But what I do know is, he grew up in a Christian environment. He goes to college and he realizes that that the young creationist in his mind is not true. So then he realizes other things that he thought, presuppositions he had. But you know what? If he would have been able to discover his faith in a more free-thinking environment, we wouldn't have people hating Christianity who go and say, I'm done with this. And, by the way, this guy, he's a really cool dude. He, uh, he, he loves civil discourse, and he loves to be challenged, and he loves, uh, he, he does not have an animosity toward uh, theists, even though he has seen the, the horribleness of both sides. He doesn't have animosity toward the other side, toward, toward theists. And that's really admirable. I will point that out. All I'm saying is, the beginning of your deconversion should not start with the fact that you are shaking in your faith because you realize that your that that what you think about uh, how the Earth was started, your young creationist view was challenged, and you believe in evolution. That should not be the foundation of your deconversion story. It shouldn't even be anywhere near the start of your deconversion story. It should it should not even be up there. And it's sad that there are people who who grow up like this. And it's not him. But I've heard stories of other people. They go to college, they believe in evolution, and they all of a sudden they're like this. That's unbelievably sad to me.
that that number one that they grew up in a place where Yahweh was so insignificant as to let them believe that he was so small as to be able to fit inside a box that they thought they could contain him in. Unbelievable. This debate, I've seen the debates with, with, with both sides of this, and I think both sides are arrogant, both sides are prideful, both sides aren't listening, and it's ridiculous. And, you know, I've watched uh, on YouTube, I've seen... I mentioned before, Kent, uh, Kent Hovind. He has a YouTube page on YouTube. And he has a science museum, and he's a young creationist. And, um, and he's one of these people who take this complex scientific theory, break it down into simple terms that they themselves can understand, and break it down into even simpler terms that everyday people can understand so that he can make it seem absurd to think of evolution as being true. And I've seen debates with this dude. And what I find so amazing is, is that he has such a hatred towards atheists. He has such a visceral um, hatred towards these people. It's unreal. He's not listening. He's not trying to convert. He's trying to win an argument. And that right there is emblematic of people that piss me off. Beyond anything that I, I hate, it's not that the fact that you're a young creationist. It's the fact that you are so prideful, so arrogant, and so brainwashed as to think that they're your enemy. Because they're not your enemy. You know, I was on Facebook. I've been on Facebook. I've seen people post controversial things and then in the comments as people bring on hate for what they've said they get angry or, or um and and and, and they uh th they don't change anybody's mind they just kind of get angry and say oh i'm done with this i'm done with this uh whole argument and all arguing here the, the, if you're gonna post something if you're gonna say something controversial be ready for the hate. Be ready to back it up. And don't you dare back down from what you were saying. Because you were, you had enough nerve to post it. You should have enough nerve to back up your claim. And be ready to defend it. That's what we're called to do. In the Bible it says, be ready to have a good defense for your faith. And, and don't back down. I'm not asking young creationists to back down. I'm not asking evolutionists to back down. What I'm asking for is civil discourse and to listen to each other. Because you're not listening. What you're doing is fueling divisiveness. You're fueling a culture of divisiveness and brainwashing of people who will go to college. Realize that a lot of the presuppositions they had about Christianity or about a young creationist is wrong. And who their faith will be shaken because of an all arbitrary thing that is utterly arbitrary to Christianity. If you don't understand it, the foundation of their faith wasn't laid down on creationism. It was laid down on the cross 2,000 years ago. That is the basis of our faith. That is the foundation of our faith. And that is the point at which that is the most important thing about our faith is that we believe in the triune God and we believe in a Christ who came down died on a cross, was resurrected, and was raised again. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is arbitrary.
We have people that are losing their faith over a belief in a creation story that they don't believe anymore. Their faith is being shaken because they're being brainwashed by Christians, parents who believe that the only way that their kid is going to grow up in the faith is if they teach them exactly what they believe. They don't allow them to ask questions. They don't allow them to find their own way. No, they want to control and brainwash their kids into a theology that they themselves believe. And look, I know parenting is hard, and I'm not one to uh, to tell you how to parent your child. But having grown up in a brainwashed environment, and being and thanking God that I came out of it alive, that I came out of it with a faith that is real, and a faith that is not built on brainwashed uh, theology brainwashed Christianity, but on a Christianity that I have experienced, that I have seen, that I believe wholeheartedly. I thank God for that because there are people who don't, that doesn't happen to. I'm glad that I went to a school where I learned about the foundation of Christianity and I was able to learn from varying different types of professors. I had professors who were, uh, were, who were pacifists. I had professors who voted for Trump. I had professors who voted for Hillary. I had professors who who um, had a literal interpretation of the Bible. I had all sorts of different professors in college who taught me the nuance of Christianity and taught me how to think critically about what I believe. And I've deconstructed my way into a theology that is rich and solid, that is that is flowing with dynamics, that is flowing with um, with something that I wholeheartedly believe. My, my theology is not simple, it is not simplistic. It is varying degrees of different, uh, different ways of thinking about things. For instance, uh, I am a charismatic Christian. Uh, I grew up Pentecostal. I still believe in, in praying in tongues. I still believe in speaking in tongues. I do believe in a church that should be on fire. I believe in a God that uh, that shows himself today in a very tangible way. I've seen it. But I don't take a literal interpretation of Revelation. I, I, take, I don't believe that there's a necessarily a second coming of, of, of Christ that is going to happen where... where a secret set coming of Christ where people are going to be raptured and all this stuff. I don't believe in, um, in, in, in an interpretation of Revelation that says that um, that says that you know these things, the apocalyptic things that are, that are going to happen are necessarily going to happen. I believe that Revelation is a warning. I believe there's a warning about what can happen. If we go down a wrong path. And I also have a different view of hell. I believe that hell. And we might talk about this in another podcast. I believe in the annihilationist view of hell. Where I believe that. If you are not a Christian. Hell is not a place. It's a final destination. There is eternal life. And there is not eternal life. And. If you are not a Christian. You're not going to hell. 
Hell is your final destination. It's where your soul is utterly destroyed in the eternal fire, and eternal damnation, where your soul is completely and utterly destroyed, where you no longer exist. And that is truly terrifying to me. This is not this is not a faith that I have built that is built upon brainwashed ideas. This is a faith I have thought about and I have I have come to my own conclusions based upon things I have seen, heard, based upon my own experiences. And I have had to deconstruct my way into this thing. But for many who've been brainwashed at a very young age, their deconstruction becomes a deconversion in which they cannot escape, in which they end up becoming atheists because they have presuppositions about what Christianity is. You don't understand that the foundation of our faith is not laid down on the altar of creationism or evolution, but upon the altar of Jesus Christ, on the altar of Yahweh, on the altar of love and grace. That is our God, and that is the only thing that matters. And I hate this debate for that very reason. As both sides, both sides are prideful, arrogant, and not listening. The atheists and the, cre and the evolutionists do not understand where the creationists are coming from. They're not willing to attack the right arguments. They're not willing to see exactly where creationists come from or why they believe what they believe. You have to, you have to, as a creationist, and I have seen this in debates with Kent Hovind, where the atheists are trying to, are trying to go over his head, and they're saying things that Kent Hovind doesn't understand. They're saying things that they're not getting to the root problem. You have to ask yourself, why do these people believe what they believe? And you have to get to that root issue, and you have to address those root things. And people aren't doing that because it takes grace. It takes patience. It's something that is hard, but I've learned to do it. You know, I'm on Facebook, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through, or I'm going on social media, and I see posts. And I don't care if you have an opinion. What do I care about? I care about the heart behind what you say. Why are you saying what you say? And I have called out people on social media for being divisive, for their messages, being utterly divisive, utterly judgmental, utterly hypocritical, utterly just downright devastating to uh, civil discourse and debate. I will call anybody out on that because it's not about what you believe. It's not about, not about which side you're on. It's about why. You believe what you believe. And if, and if evolutionists want to win this debate, they have to start getting to the root cause of the issue. They have to start getting uh, through to the intentions. They have to start letting these people understand. They have to start uh, attacking the reason behind why creationists believe what they believe. And creationists, um, you know, that's real easy for you. Because there's a lot of atheists and evolutionists who are also atheists who who uh, who have an animosity towards God. Because they're just angry at God. So many atheists, this is something that I have found, so many atheists are just, they're angry at God. And they are just utterly angry at God. And what I have found really interesting as I've been thinking about this, I posted about this on Facebook, was, you know, God is offensive to the world, to our flesh, to me. 
Hell, to, to, to me, he's offensive. Why? And there's two reasons for that. There's two reasons. For me, it's because of his unending, radical, unchanging love for every single person on this planet. Meaning, there can be a person who absolutely is the most despicable person on the planet, who is the most evil person on the planet, who can come to know Christ and be set free and be redeemed and liberated out of bondage. And that's offensive. Because in our world, we see murderers, rapists, all these horrible people, and we think they deserve the worst punishment of all. And, and God, through His unending grace and unfathomable love, saved those people from a wretched punishment or a wretched non-existence in hell. And that, to my flesh and to the world, is a radical love that is offensive. But then you have people on the opposite side who say, well, how could God send people to hell? Now, what they really mean by this is not that how could God send anybody to hell because they're, they're, because what they're, what they're really attacking is this idea of what is good at the end of the day. They're asking how could God send a good person to hell, people who doesn't believe in God. How could they send that person to hell? They, they're good people, right? Yeah, good by your standards. One of my favorite lines ever told by a scientist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I love this dude. Let me explain. I was watching a video of him giving a lecture, or he was, he was doing a presentation or something. And he, I think it was a Catholic, had a question. And I forget what the question was, but his answer was profound. Oh my goodness, it was so profound. And you gotta, you gotta listen to the words of what he's saying to really understand why it's profound. He said, he said, uh, you, know, you, you, how do you put this? God cannot be all powerful and all good. But he added something at the end. He said, if we're talking about good in the sense of preserving human life, which is a very narrow view of what is good. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. By our standards, God cannot be all-powerful and all-good. But God is a definition of good. He is where we get the idea of goodness from. He is where we get the idea of good from. All of the laws and things that we have in our land, all of the things that we look at as good come from a good God. I love this quote from him. Because in our finite minds, he's not all-powerful and all-good. But that's because we're, once again, a one-dimensional being looking up at a five-dimensional being and, 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 and trying to understand this. We can't. We can't even begin to fathom how unbelievably, unbelievably complex and unbelievably good our God is. Because our idea of God is, like he said, preserving human life. But that's just a narrow view of what God is at the end of the day. 
And so when you attack the goodness of God, it's a moot point. Because God is good whether you think that it's true or not. And so, you know, I guess where do I want to land this plane? I'm not really too sure. I've gone really all over the place. But all of that to say, our God is so much more than we could ever imagine. And what happens is we grow up in a household where we put God in a box, where Yahweh is so insignificant and so small as to be put in the box of creationism. And that's sad to me. We don't let our kids think for themselves because we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid that they'll leave. We're afraid that they'll drift off. But what if they just find a deeper faith? All you, you doing by brainwashing, I'm talking about toxic parents. I'm not talking about you telling your kids what you believe. That's fine. But when you don't allow your kids to think for themselves, you take away their ability to experience Yahweh in a tangible and real way that could change their lives. And I got very blessed to go to a Christian university, to go to a diverse Christian university, and to experience things that, that literally changed my life. And I ended up leaving after two years, and I've continued to learn, and I've continued to grow my faith, and I've continued to stand by my faith in the midst of absolute uncertainty and absolute darkness and absolute pain and absolute hard-hitting moments in my life. I have withstood it all, and I'm still here with Yahweh, and He is with me, and He's held on to me through everything. And I could not, would not be here if it wasn't for Him holding on to me. So, yeah, I hate this debate. I hate this debate between creationism and evolution. It creates a very small, small God that I refuse to fit into a, a, a box. I refuse to make that small. I won't let it. And you shouldn't either. Your faith should be so much more than an evolutionist, creationist debate. You got a tangible God that you've experienced, that you've seen, and that will not let go of you. So, hey, if you enjoyed this, uh, I will be doing hopefully some live streams on Twitch. Uh, I have a channel on there where I'll be playing video games and hopefully talking to you guys. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what to say anymore. Um, I hope that you have a great day and a great week and I will see you soon. Peace.